save the world but tonight I'll hold you right here in my arms precious miracle of life child of love gift of hope the gift of light from the Father above and you were made for all mankind but you will always be mine child of God has blessed this world with you. And as I humbly hold you now, in my heart I know I'm holding Precious miracle of life, child of love, gift of hope, the gift of light from the Father above, and you were made for all mankind, but you will always be mine, child of love, precious Child of love, gift of hope, the gift of light from the Father above, and you were made for all mankind, but you will always be mine. The psalmist said, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? My name is Al Brady, and I'm so delighted you've joined us for this ministry. In a few minutes, we will attempt to turn this studio into a sanctuary, and we will worship the living God. Again, thank you for joining us. Would you hear now, please, the reading from God's Word? It's a very familiar passage. It comes from John's Gospel, chapter 14. Would you hear these words? Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may be also. 
And you know the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do know him and still have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. But it's this part of that verse that I want us to think about tonight. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you join me please for a word of prayer? O oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. O oh Lord, which art our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Have you ever been watching television when suddenly the announcer interrupts and says, we interrupt this program to bring you some fast-breaking news? Sure you have. We've all experienced that kind of interruption. But when we have, most of the time, we take on renewed anxiety because we know the interruption is related to some kind of trouble that's taking place in the world or in our country somewhere. Who of us will ever forget where we were when the announcer interrupted the program to tell us that the late John F. Kennedy had been assassinated? I know exactly where I was. I was at a meeting of the North Georgia Conference in Athens, Georgia. And as soon as we heard that, that announcement, we all went into prayer. And then there was the interruption concerning the shooting of President Ronald Reagan. I know exactly where I was. I was getting out of my car in Alpharetta, Georgia, to make a visit to a parishioner. That had a prayer for the president of our country. And then there was the interruption of 9-11. Who will ever forget? We went to staff meeting at St. Luke United Methodist Church in Columbus, Georgia, when someone interrupted and told us about the planes hitting the towers. Immediately, we went into prayer. And then, just a few days ago, that announcement came, that interruption from Aurora, Colorado. We heard about a young man going into a theater and shooting it up. We all are aware of interruptions. But occasionally, the interruption will be good news. For instance, the collapse of the Berlin Wall. But most of the time, when the announcer says, we interrupt this program to bring you some fast-breaking news, most of the times we are very fearful because we know it has something to do with tragedy somewhere in the world. So how do we handle this kind of thing? How do we handle this life-shattering interruption that comes to us from time to time? This is a good place to bring in our scripture lesson. In the preceding chapter, Jesus told his disciples that their group was about to break up. He gave them a grave announcement. He went on to say that their fellowship was going to be broken because he himself was going to be crucified and put to death. And then he told them about his resurrection. But they were not hearing that part of the announcement because, you see, they were so anxious about the whole thing. The only thing they knew was that the one who had interpreted God's kingdom, the one who had revealed God to them, would be no more. 
Consequently, they were concerned that things would never be the same again. To put it bluntly, these disciples were about to go into chaos. They were going to have a horrible time. Well, this is where this word of Jesus, this blessed comforting word of Jesus came. It came during a time of chaos. You remember his clear comforting word, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Let not your hearts be troubled. That's a powerful statement. However appropriate those words are at Christian funerals, they were first given to a group of disciples that were about to commit a major blunder. Let not your hearts be troubled, and yet our hearts are troubled. They're troubled on every level, personal, local, national, global, on every scale, because we know there's tragedy out there, and we hear about threats and terrorism and dangers that our children and grandchildren are going to have to face. We hear about all of these kinds of things. Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Jesus was telling us that we needed to trust in God, not a generic God, but in the Father that he tells us about. He says we need to trust in God and in himself. Believe in me simply means trust. What Jesus is saying is, I know the troubles in the world. I know the troubles in your life. I know what's going on. I just simply want you to trust me, trust me, trust me. What is trust? As the writer of Hebrews put it, it is the conviction of things not seen. In other words, it's the capacity to hold on, to stay steady, to keep going when things do not appear to be anything that we know the way. James Moore tells about an experience he had in a small Methodist church in Memphis. He said he went to that church service and he was very impressed by the prayer. He said the pastor was an older gentleman and evidently had been through a lot of difficulty in his days. But he prayed this prayer and James Moore said it was like he heard it yesterday. Listen to the prayer, how significant it is. Dear Lord, we thank you for being with us during this difficult time. When Moses and the children of Israel were caught at the Red Sea, you didn't just take them around it or over it or under it. You led them through it. And now in the same way, when we are in trouble, you don't lead us around it or over it or under it. You lead us straight through it. And then he said, thank you for your deliverance, Lord. And he ended his prayer with an amen. And James Moore said he had an amen in his own heart. Now, in light of what Jesus tells us about our troubles, do not let your heart be troubled. I want us to talk a little bit now about tragedy. It's important that we get some kind of understanding of tragedy. First of all, God does not send the tragedies of life. Let me say that again. God does not send the tragedies of life. A few years ago, when the death of God theology was the fad of the day, there was a bumper sticker that came out of all that, and this is what that bumper sticker said. My God is not dead. Sorry about yours. If we had that same bumper sticker today, it would read like this. My God is not cruel. Sorry about yours. One thing we people of faith need to understand is that human tragedy is not sent to us by God. Human tragedy is not sent to us by God. God is not some horrible fiend waiting along our pathway to zap us here, there, or, or any other place. But we need to understand something about the permissive will of God and the active will of God to understand this as it relates to suffering. You know, the fact that God may allow things to happen to us 
seems that we can understand that. But we do not believe that God actively or directly inflicts us with evil. As someone observed, tragedy happens because life happens. Tragedy happens because life happens. Sometimes our tragedies come from bad luck. Sometimes they come from bad people. Sometimes they come from the rules of the universe, these inflexible laws of nature. So why do good people suffer? We never have a complete answer to that. But at the same time, there's another observation that says people of faith always come through suffering triumphantly, and people of faith do. Now, what I'd like to do for a minute is note several of the sources from which our suffering or tragedies come. Listen, will you? Sometimes our suffering is self-induced. Sometimes our suffering comes from our misappropriation of our freedom. For instance, I know a young man who went out one Friday night and he began drinking, and he drank a lot. He got drunk. He got behind the wheel of his automobile and he started down the road, and he got so fast he lost control. He hit a telephone post and overturned, and he was paralyzed for life. Sometimes our suffering or tragedy comes and it's self-induced. And then sometimes our suffering or tragedy comes from the fact that we participate in the human race. Suffering is common to all of our experiences. As Job put it, we suffer as the sparks fly upward. I remember something that Carlisle Marnie wrote. He said, God has a lot to account for when he wrote to John Claypool, who lost his seven-year-old daughter to leukemia. But then we know that our faith does not lead to safety. Our faith leads to salvation. And sometimes the innocent people are hurt. Remember this, that in Luke's gospel, there's a story of some people that came to Jesus. And they told him of how Pilate had put to death some of these Galileans while they were offering sacrifices to God. And the question was, were they worse sinners? And Jesus said, no. Then you remember the Tower of Siloam had fell and killed 18 people. The question was asked, were they greater sinners? And the answer that came back was no. And then sometimes our suffering comes from what other people do to us. And this is freshly on our minds as we think of Aura, Colorado, where this young man dressed like the Joker in the Batman mythology, this particular man went into a theology, went into a theater. He went into that theater, he pulled his gun, and he killed 12 people and wounded 58 others. Sometimes our suffering comes at the hand of others. And then sometimes our suffering is a flat-out mystery. I don't know why some people get sick and why some people don't. I really don't. But I assume they must be, have something to do with some inflexible natural laws that we really do not understand. One other thing I'd like to say about suffering, sometimes we think if we could understand our suffering, then we would be satisfied. I really doubt that. Philip Yancey said that there are two books in the Bible that have striking familiarity, the book of Job and the book of Lamentations. Job was in disbelief as he stared at the loss of his possessions and his home. And then this other person, this other prophet, Prophet Jeremiah, he stared at disbelief when he saw the destruction of Jerusalem. Well, they were both disappointed with God. But Jeremiah understood why the destruction of Jerusalem had occurred. It had occurred because these people, these Hebrews, had been unfaithful and had broken the covenant. Consequently, they had to suffer. But hear me now. The fact that they had to suffer and that he knew why they were suffering didn't make it any easier on him. He still said, why do you not answer us? He debated that with God. 
Now, keep in mind, God does not send tragedies. God does not send the tragedy where the little girl was run over by a drunk driver and killed. God does not send the hurricane or the tornado that comes upon the community and causes all kinds of devastation with the loss of life and the loss of property. God does not do that. You know, sometimes we call acts of God, we call them acts of God when they're not acts of God, they're acts of nature, which is a blind, immoral, and valueless thing. On the other hand, God is a God of compassion, and a God of grace, and a God of justice. But I want to say that again. God does not send tragedy. God loves each of us as if we were his only child. And yet we hear it from time to time. Oh, it's just God's will. When I was 10 years old, I lost my mother to death. And I remember people telling me, well, God needed your mother more than you do. And I kept wondering, how in the world do they know that? How does God need my mother more than I did as a 10-year-old boy? And then I remember my friend and mentor, Bishop Bevel Jones, talking about an experience he had as a young minister. He said he had the funeral of a six-year-old girl that had been run over by a drunk driver. And in those early days of sadness, somebody said, well, we just have to accept this as the will of God. Bevel Jones said deep down, he said, no, heavens, no, we can't do that. Bevel Jones said he didn't believe that a God, a powerful God, would intoxicate a person and put him behind the vehicle of a powerful automobile and then run down a young girl so that she would have to die. It's not God's will for us to suffer. God does not send the tragedy. And then secondly, God is with us in the tragedy. Now this is so important to understand. God is with us in the tragedy. Martin Bufer, the great Old Testament scholar, gave us some meaningful words toward the end of his life. He was quoting that verse where Moses appeared before God, and he asked him, what is your name? And you remember what God said? God said, I am that I am. I am that I am. Well, Martin Bufer said he had studied that passage all his life, and he had finally come to the conclusion that we had mistranslated that passage. Rather than God saying, I am who I am, what it really means is God says, I shall be there for you. Isn't that magnificent? God says, I shall be there for you. So God is with us in our tragedy. What was it Isaiah said, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you? What did the psalmist say? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. What was it Jesus said? Lo, I'm with you always to the close of the age. And what about the Apostle Paul? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril of sword? No, he says, in all of these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And then I remember the Apostle Paul and his thorn in the flesh. He tried to reason it out. Why did he have the thorn? He never found an answer there. He said, well, if I can't find the reason for it, I'll ask to be released from it. So he prayed, God, take it away. He didn't find his answer in release. He found his answer in revelation. God said, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. In other words, the name of God is, I shall be there. When we face the struggles of life, God says, I shall be there. When we are lonely or disheartened or disappointed, God says, I shall be there. When we are facing illness and possibly death, God says, I shall be there. There was a great scholar, William Barclay, who faced tragedy. His 21-year-old daughter 
and her fiancé died in a boating accident just a few days before they were supposed to get married. And in his autobiography, William Barclay stated how he felt, and this is what he said, God did not stop that accident at sea, but he did still the storm in my own heart so that my wife and I were able to face it standing on our own two feet. Listen to that again. God did not stop the accident at sea, but he did still the storm in my own heart so that we could face this situation on our own two feet. How significant that is. Several years ago, the then vice president of the United States said that he was over in Russia attending the funeral of Lenore Brezhnev. He said he was representing the United States, but he said at the prayer breakfast that Lenore Brezhnev's wife stood by the casket longer than anybody else, and just before they pulled the casket down on the body, she leaned over and did the sign of the cross on Leonor Brezhnev's chest. At the time of death and in the time of hurting, she did not turn to Lenin or to Karl Marx or to Khrushchev. She turned to a Nazarene, a carpenter who lived 2,000 years ago, but who gave his life on a cross and was resurrected from the dead and says, because I live, you shall live also. God is with us in our tragedy. And then one other thing, God has the last word concerning our tragedy. God has the last word concerning our tragedy. At the center of the Christian faith is the message of hope. That is that God brings life out of death. The God who has the first word also has the last word, the Alpha and the Omega. The scripture says, after the evening, the morning, after the crucifixion, the resurrection, I'm talking about Easter, and I'm talking about Easter people. Because we are Easter people, we have the power to start again, to overcome, to love again, to care again, to do all of these things because we are Easter people. I love the way Dietrich Bonhoeffer put it. He said, we can have confidence as bruised Christians because God's grace is always ours. But he said that grace will never be given to us in advance lest we become dependent upon ourselves and not upon him. Not long ago, I had the funeral of a 90-year-old woman. She was a friend of mine. She was outstanding in every way. She lived the Christian life in every way. She was always joyful, always encouraging, always helpful. And when I would pray for her, she would finish up by praying for me. Well, let me tell you what happened. Her husband would read the Sunday school lesson to her, and then she would go teach the class the Sunday school lesson. What about her husband's participation? He had to participate because, you see, she was blind, but only physically blind. She was not blind in any other way. He would read the lesson, and then she would go teach the lesson. Somehow, God enabled her to remember. She treated suffering like it needs to be. She used it to help others, always to help others, and how significant that is for all of us. William Sloan Coffin lost his son to death. His son ran off the road in a harbor in Boston. This is how he put it, and I think this is worth remembering. The tragedy of human life is not that we suffer. What is tragic in suffering is suffering where nothing is learned, pain that does not get converted into strength. So the great question of life is not, why did this happen to me? The great question of life is, since this has happened to me, what am I going to do about it? Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Let us pray.
Lord, we're so thankful for your promises that come to us every single day of our lives. Help us to be aware of these promises and to be aware that nothing is going to happen to us that we cannot win out over through your grace and power and strength. Thank you for being with us in all things. Thank you for this opportunity of being together. And we'll be sure to praise your name in all things. Amen. Thank you so very much for joining us in this ministry tonight. I appreciate it, and I hope you'll share the message with other people. Call us if you need us, and our address is so forth on the screen. Have a good evening. Help our every word and deed, Lord. Come from your strong guiding hand. Give us the strength and power here this day to let your love shine through us, Lord, we pray. To turn from wrong and stand up strong, even as we sing this song, help us to know your way. Give us the strength and power here this day to let your love shine through us, Lord, we pray, to turn from wrong, stand up strong, even as we sing this song, help us to know your way, help us to live your way, help us to show your way. Won't you help us, Lord, today? Help us, Lord, this